So now we are going to talk about the November issue of Security Section Vision IS magazine. The first topic is anti-terror laws in the country. The president gave his assent to the Gujarat Control of Terrorism and Organized Crime Bill. It was in news because the bill has been passed by the Gujarat Assembly and brought to president three times since 2004, but was sent back owing to the lack of clarity regarding certain provisions of the bill. Now, need of anti-terror legislation. Why do we need all of this? Because the com to complete the anti-terror infrastructure, that is law, a single investigative agency, and an, an agency to collate, analyze, and disseminate intelligence inputs relating to terrorism. Another need is inadequacies of the existing act. Over the years, as acts of terror became more frequent, intense and geographically widespread, aided and abated by external forces, the inadequacies of the general laws treating them as law and order matters started getting exposed. Then next is deal with terror effectively that could effectively deny operating space and maneuverability to terrorist groups and their support structure that would deter them from executing any acts of terror. Next is counter-federal gaps. To ascertain interoperability of the investigating agencies which fall under the ambit of state as well as union governments. Next is counter-cross-border terror with special focus on the issue of gathering of evidence located abroad. Bring clarity over various aspects related to terror including its definition, act, evidence, procedures which can be followed while dealing with terrorism. Over the years, this resulted into various anti-terror laws as described in the box. What is there? Which box? Look down my box. Wait, wait, wait. I'm listening. I'm finding the box. Yeah. Evolution of major anti-terror legislative infrastructure in the country. In the earlier stages, the incidents of terrorism in India were generally dealt with as a law and order issue. And therefore, investigation and prosecution in such cases largely followed the penal provisions enshrined in major laws such as Indian Penal Code, Indian Explosives Act, Indian Arms Act, while procedurally the provisions of the Criminal Procedure Code were followed. Then, Unlawful Activities Prevention Act of 1967 was enacted. It was enacted as the general law encompassing unlawful activities. However, after the repeal of POTA, which is P-O-T-A, it was amended in 2008 to incorporate the definition of a terrorist act. It was further amended in 2013 to cater to the specific need of the R by incorporating economic and financial offences. It also enabled prosecution of offences punishable under this act even if committed suicide, sorry, committed outside India. Terrorist and Disruptive Activities Prevention Act, TADA, which is 1985, it was enacted in the backdrop of assassination of then Prime Minister Indira Gandhi in 1984. It remained in force till 1995 and then it was allowed to lapse due to grave and widespread allegations of misuse. Then Prevention of Terrorism Act, which is POTA 2002, it was enacted after the attack on the parliament in 2001. It also remained the political punching bag and faced severe criticism for alleged widespread among sorry widespread human rights abuses. It was repealed in 2004 after a very short span of legal existence. 
After the repeal of POTA, no court was permitted to take cognizance of any offence under POTA after one year of the expiry of this Act. Armed Forces Special Power Act It was enacted in view of the rise in insurgency in certain areas. This law classified those areas as disturbed areas providing special operational legal cover along with certain additional powers to the armed forces. In classical terms, however, AFSPA should not be seen as an anti-terror specific legislation but more as an enabling provision for the armed forces to deal with situations in the disturbed areas. Now other than this, why different terror laws for state? But before this, over the years, uh, what are the factors behind the evolution of anti-terror laws? Why this evolution of anti-terror laws has happened? Because of incoherence and misuse. The haste in legislating anti-terror laws lead to a significant amount of incoherence without substantial thought being given to the unintended consequences of the slightest tweak in the language. Various other state laws have been made without studying the misuse and impact of TADA and POTA, thus increasing the suspicion of their misuse. This has led to their amendments and changes. Judicial scrutiny The court recognizing the fact that acts of terrorism constitute an extraordinary crime have been carefully scrutinizing the processes and procedures prescribed under the new legislations with due consideration to protecting personal liberties and individual human rights of the citizen. Based on the judicial guidelines and recommendations by the courts, some union and state legislations were enacted along with suitable amendments in the existing laws to tackle what? Terrorism and related issues, then complexities of Indian federalism. Kya complexity hai? Various state laws have faced hurdles in getting presidential assent. And similarly, legal attempts to bring a national counter-terrorism center were thwarted by the state governments. However, at a broader level, it was being observed that same basic statutory approach to terrorism has been followed since TADA, resulting in the language and structure of subsequent statutes. This is in spite of the fact that the nature of terrorism and counter-terrorism efforts has undergone changes in the recent decades. So this... मतलब ये तो वही बात हो गई कि सामने आ रहा है सांप लेकिन आप लेकर गए हो डंडा इंस्टेड ऑफ वॉट यू नीड इज बीन सो वाई डिफरेंट टेरर लॉज फॉर स्टेट अलग अलग स्टेट के लिए अलग अलग लॉज क्यों हैं बिकॉज डिस्पाइट द सेंट्रल लेजिस्लेशन इन प्लेस देर हैव बिन वेरियस स्टेट लेजिस्लेशन टू डील विद टेरिज्म द रीजन बिहाइंड इज कॉन्स्टिट्यूशनल कंपीटेंस The state legislatures are competent and feel the need to enact separate anti-terror legislations as the constitution gives the responsibility of police and public order to the states under the 7th schedule. Then legislative gap between union laws such as there was a long gap of 4 years when India did not have any special federal anti-terror legislation forcing the state government to enact alternate enabling laws. Next is border management. The states sharing international borders like Gujarat, Kashmir and Northeastern states feel the requirement for more stringent act like GCTOC, AFSPA to deal with cross-border terrorism. Next is specific state-specific problems such as the presence of underworld and organized crime networks in Maharashtra. Arunachal led to the enactment of legislations against organized crime like Mokoka and AP Koka. 
नाउ कंक्लूजन क्या कंक्लूजन है दैट देयर नीड्स टू बी कंसेंसस एट द स्टेट एंड नेशनल लेवल इन डीलिंग विद द मेनेंस ऑफ टेररिज्म इन अ सिनेटिक मैनर वेयर बोथ फेडरल एंड स्टेट लेजिस्लेशन कैन कॉम्प्लीमेंट ईच अदर दैट वाज इट अबाउट द गुजरात बिल नेक्स्ट टॉपिक इज बोडोलैंड डिस्प्यूट द बैन ऑन एनडीएफबी एक्सटेंडेड अभी ये एनडीएफबी क्या है NDFB is the National Democratic Front of Borderland. So, what is the issue? Why news? Because the Union Ministry of Home Affairs has extended ban on the National Democratic Front of Borderland by five more years under the provisions of Unlawful Activities Prevention Act, 1967. Again, also it was in the news because NDFB is an ethnic insurgent organization demanding what? An independent state. for the bodo ethnic group in assam formed in 1986 now it shares close ties with the ulfa ye ulfat kya hai ulfa is united liberation front of assam according to ministry of home affairs ye jo national democratic front of bodoland hai na it poses a threat to the sovereignty and territorial integrity of india like every other every other insurgent organization and uh, it has been involved in illegal and violent activities like extortion terrorism obtaining assistance from anti india forces ethnic killing and secessionist activities ab ye jo bodoland territorial autonomous districts hain wo kon kon se hain wo dekh le rahe hain zara in assam it is there so kokrajhar chirang baksha udalguri are the four district which are affected by this ethnic insurgent organization now about bodoland it is a state demanded by the tribal communities called bodos in assam who comprise only 5 to 6% of the state ki population abhi har 5-6% logon ko state to nahi de sakte na it consists of regions located extreme north of the bank of brahmaputra river in the state of assam by the foothills of bhutan and arunachal pradesh this bodoland uh, uh, issue has also a timeline so in 1929 is all where it began the bodo leader gurudev kali charan brahma gurudev bhi hai kali bhi hai charan bhi hai brahma bhi hai he submitted a memorandum to the simon commission ye sare tribal groups na sessionist ye sare simon commission ke time pe aaye the abhi humne kokis ya fir jo naga peace talk hai usme bhi simon commission we discussed In 1929 the Bodo leader Gurudev Kalicharan Brahma submitted a memorandum to the Simon Commission asking for reservation in the legislative assembly and for a separate political entity for his people His efforts go in vain kaise 1960s and 70s there are calls from Bodos and other tribes for a separate state of Udyanchal as immigrants are accused of illegally encroaching Bodo inhabited lands demand was raised under the banner of the plain tribes council of assam a political outfit fir late 1980s mein kya hua demands of assam divided in 5050 are raised in all bodo students union which adopted a peaceful approach at the same time armed separatist groups like bodoland liberation tigers and the ndfb are founded fir february 1993 the bodoland autonomous council was constituted after the center assam government and absu which is abs kya hai all bodo students union sign a tripartite agreement 
However, जो बोडोलैंड ऑटोनोमस काउंसिल है इट फेल्ड ड्यू टू नॉन इम्प्लीमेंटेशन ऑफ द वेरियस प्रोविजन ऑफ द अकॉर्ड फेवरेट 2003 में क्या हुआ द बोडोलैंड टेरिटोरियल काउंसिल इज इट फॉर्म आफ्टर द सेंटर असम गवर्नमेंट एंड द बी एल टी साइन एंड ट्राइपाइट एग्रीमेंट द बी एल टी इज डिस्पेंडेड देन इन टू थाउजेंड फाइव द एनडीएफ बी एग्रीज टू असीम गवर्नमेंट एंड द सेंटर After the treaty is signed, the group splits into three factions. One of those factions, NDFB, continued to carry out violent attack. NDFB को कोई काम नहीं है, उनको बस violence चाहिए. Then, reason for the demand. अभी separate borderland की demand क्यों है? Massive illegal immigration from Bangladesh. It has led to certain concerns among the Vodos of changing demography because they are worried that their ethnicity will be lost when the people coming from Bangladesh will be taking over their areas. it might turn them into minority in their own land then inclusion of illegal migrants in the voter list it is viewed as a deliberate ploy to empower an outside group so that bodos lose their political power threat of loss of distinct language and culture due to forced assimilation then growing unease due to political empowerment of the minority communities in the btad in recent years then failure of the bodo territorial council weak administrative institutions and divisive politics of the members of the btc have also added to their insecurity now what is the way ahead in this the government should strengthen the autonomous administrative divisions in assam established on the basis of 6th schedule of the constitution establish a land record system that is computerized and accessible to the local people and which can address the fear of loss of land to the outsiders improve the presence of both state civil administration and law enforcement agencies in areas that are identified as highly susceptible to the ethnic violence the government should take measures to improve the other economic sectors of the region like development of agro based industries tourism hydroelectricity etc measures to protect their language and cultural identity should be taken so that was it about the november issue of the security and uh, for next keep listening so now i'm going to start the december security issue and our first topic is chief of defense staff recently the ministry of defense created a post of chief of defense staff to provide effective leadership at the top level to the three wings of the armed forces now the outgoing army chief general vipin rawat will be appointed as chief of defense staff background this was a proposal of uh, kargil review committee set up in 2000 2000 then a group of ministers task force that studied the kargil review committee recommendations proposed the cabinet committee on security that is cds should be created in 2011 Narish Chandra Committee on Defence and Security also suggested to implement it. Then Shikhatkar Committee in 2016 also appointed for opinionated for CDS having recommendations pertaining to trial service integration. Then about CDS, this will be a post of four-star general with salary perquisite equivalent to service chief. The post is created to promote jointness in procurement, training staff for services, facilitate restructuring of military commands for optimal utilization, promote use of indigenous equipment by the services. Then central government has uh, 
set 65 as the maximum age for serving for the CDS. It will also head the Department of Military Affairs and function as its secretary. Then uh, he will be first among equals. He also vested with the authority to provide directives to the three chief. He will act as principal military advisor to the defense minister on all tri-service matters. Then three service, uh, the tri three chief will continue to advise defense minister. The CDS will not exercise any military command. He will serve as the permanent chairman of the chief of staff committee. As the permanent chairperson of chief of staff committee, he will perform following functions. CDS will administer tri-service organization including those related to cyber and space. Be a member of Defense Acquisition Council. Function as the military advisor to Nuclear Command Authority. He will implement 5-year de defense capital acquisition plan and 2-year role on annual acquisition plan as a follow-up of integrated capability development management. Then he will assign inter-service prioritization to capital acquisition proposals. He will br bring reform in the functioning of tri-services. Aiming to augment combat capabilities of armed forces by reducing wasteful expenditure. Now, why do we need a CDS? Because the existing structure is inadequate. However, the chief of staff committee arrangement has been often cited as unsatisfactory. And uh, the second reason why we need a CDS is because need for a central nerve center. Here the CDS is seen as to be the vital to the creation of theatre commands as well as integrating tri-service. To weed out the policy paralysis, major deficiency of the planning process lead to lack of inter and intra-service prioritization, duplication of efforts. Then lack of coordination between the government and armed forces. The Cargill Review Committee report pointed out that in India, Armed Forces Headquarters is outside the apex governmental structure. Therefore, the top executives do not have the benefit of the views and expertise of military commanders, which hurts India's position in critical war-like situations. To further defense diplomacy, presently the crucial aspect of defense diplomacy is being conducted in an ad hoc manner without an overarching policy direction from the military of defense. The need for capital procurement the armed forces play a vital role in arms procurement. CDS would be ideally suited to have larger delegated financial powers over and above those exercised at the lower level. Needed for quality assurance, the Department of Defense Production is often accused of conflict of interest between its dual responsibility of being the administrative department for both production and quality assurance. However, with the CDS coming up, it will be it would be ideally suited to take up this responsibility for quality certification. Then resource crunch, duplication of assets in infrastructure and human resources, whether in training or in operational commands is a huge drag on the defense budget, leaving scant little for capital acquisition. Now conclusion, in the fast changing security and defense environment, the country expects a payoff in the form of leaner and meaner forces who will obtain synergy through planning, training and executing joint operations. Thus, appointment of CDS is undoubtedly a bold and decisive step in reforming India's higher defense management. 
second point is uh, or the second issue of this month is anti marine piracy bill 2019 recently the bill was introduced in lok sabha by ministry of external affairs need for the bill is to bring a comprehensive and a specific domestic legislation on piracy till now the provisions of the indian penal code pertaining to armed robbery and the admiralty jurisdiction of certain courts have been invoked to prosecute pirates apprehended by indian navy and coast guard to deal with increasing incidences of piracy within india's exclusive economic zone with the enhanced naval presence in the gulf of aden pirates shifted their area of operations eastwards and southwards this led to a flurry of piracy incidents towards the western coast of india as well other reasons for increase are uh, geographical expense of the seas non existent air and land security and surveillance systems lack of collaboration between intercontinental and international regions inadequate navy coast guard product protection to fulfill india's commitment in signing the united nations convention on the law of the sea then to promote the safety and security of india's maritime trade including the safety of our vessels and crew members according to the ministry of shipping around 95% of the india's trading by volume and 70% by value is done by maritime transport now what is this united nations convention on law of the seas it lays down a comprehensive regime of law and order in the world's oceans and seas establishing rules governing all uses of ocean and their resources it enshrines the notion that all problems of ocean space are closely interrelated and need to be addressed as a whole india signed the convention in 1982 and ratified in 1995 key features of this anti piracy bill is the definition of piracy which is an illegal illegal act of violence detention or destruction committed against a ship aircraft person or property for private purposes by the crew or the passengers of a private ship or aircraft then applicability of the bill all parts of the sea adjacent to and beyond the limits of the exclusive economic zone of india penalties an act of piracy or of a, uh, or being an accessory to the commission of offense will be punishable with uh, imprisonment for life or with death depending on the gravity of the case extraditable offense piracy accused can be transferred to any country for prosecution with which india has signed an extradition treaty in the absence of such treaties offenses will be extraditable on the basis of reciprocity between the countries designated courts the central government in consultation with chief justice of the high court concern will specify certain courts as designated courts for speedy trial of offenses of piracy now what are the other measures taken by the government to combat piracy in indian ocean enhanced vigil by indian navy in the indian exclusive economic zone and westward up to 65 degrees east longitude india is an active participant of various cooperative mechanism like shared awareness and deconfliction which is shade established to facilitate sharing of information gsat 7 which is rukmini a communication satellites exclusively for indian navy to monitor indian ocean up to 2000 nautical miles 
India, Japan, China have agreed to coordinate patrols, especially in the internationally recommended transit corridor established for use by all merchant ships in the Gulf of Aden. Participating in the various multilateral fora that have been set up to combat piracy such as IORA, an interministerial group has been set up under the Ministry of Shipping to deal with the hostage situation arising out of hijacking at seas of merchant vessels with Indian crew. Contingency plan for dealing with piracy and hijacking of merchant ships and constitution of committee to secretaries on anti-piracy and hijacking at seas. Banning of sailing vessels to ply in water south or west of the line joining Salala and Malay through merchant shipping. The guidelines for elaborate anti-piracy measures to be implemented on Indian ships. Other than this, there are some international treaties related to maritime, maritime piracy. Piracy is defined in Article 101 of the 1982 United Nations Convention on the Law of Seas as a criminal act of violence, detention and depredation committed for private and by the crew members or private ship that is directed on high seas against another ship. 38 incidents of piracy and armed robbery against ships were reported in the year 2019, only three first three months. In 2018, the 76 incidents, IMB is an specialized division of International Chamber of Commerce, which is a non-profit making organization established in 1981 to act as a focal point in the fight against all types of maritime crime and malpractice. International Maritime Organization has adopted some international conventions for its member countries to implement which is suppressal of unla unlawful act against the sa safety of maritime navigation, then international convention for the safety of life at sea, then international ship and port facility security code is an amendment to the safety of life at sea, convention and prescribes responsibilities to government, shipping company, shipboard personnel and port facility personnel to detect security threats and take preventive measures against security incidents, affecting ships or port facilities used in international trade. In addition, IMO assists governments lacking the technical knowledge resources need to operate the shipping industry safely and efficiently through the Integrated Technical Cooperation Program and the Djibouti Code of Conduct. National, next is India's India-Nepal Cross-Border Cooperation. Recently, the Nepal Armed Police Force has assured India cooperation in checking doubtful third country operatives in its soil. More about the news. The decision was aimed during the fourth India-Nepal coordination meeting held between Indian Border Guarding Force Shahestr Seema Bull and Nepalese counterpart Armed Police Force at Pokhara in Nepal. This is for the first time that the joint record of discussions had a special mention of third country operatives. The 1751-kilometer-long India-Nepal border has been reported multiple times in the past to have been used by Pakistani elements and terrorists to perpetuate criminal activities and a number of such operatives have been caught by Indian security agencies. For example, in 2017, the Hijbul Mujahideen militant from Sonali border post in Uttar Pradesh was arrested by SSP. 
Also, a report by the U.S. State Department has said that the Indian Mujahideen, which has ties with Pakistan-based terrorist groups like L.E.T. J.E.M. Lashkar-e-Taiba Jamaat A J.E.M. and Harakat ul Jihad Islami is using Nepal as a hub to carry out terrorist activities against India. With this, not only terrorist elements from Pakistan and other countries, but smuggling kingpins and fake Indian currency notes mafia can also be checked. Other than this, what you need to know is about Shahastr Sima Bal. The Shahastr Sima Bal comes under the aegis of Ministry of Home Affairs and a part of the Centre Armed Police Forces, along with six other Central Security Forces in India, which is Assam Rifle, BSF, CISF. CRPF, ITBP and NSG. These are the six central security forces in India. Okay. It was established in 1963 in the aftermath of Chinese aggression in 1962. It is currently deployed at 2450 km long Indo-Nepal and Indo-Bhutan borders across the states of Uttarakhand, Uttar Pradesh, Bihar, West Bengal, Sikkim, Assam and Arunachal Pradesh. It has also been uh, declared as the lead intelligence agency for these border areas and it coordinates its activities with intelligence bureau raw and multi agency center of various agencies from the union home ministry the responsibilities include to provide a sense of security among the people living in border areas to prevent trans border crimes and unauthorized entry into or exit from indian territory carry out civic action programs in the area of the responsibility and to prevent smuggling and other illegal activities on indian frontiers that was it about the december issue security part now we are done with uh, all the security so now we are going to start about uh, the january security issue of vision our first topic is bodo peace accord It was in news recently because the third Bodo Peace Accord is a tripartite agreement between the Centre Assam government and the banned Assam-based insurgent group National Democratic Front of Bodoland, which was signed on 27 January 2020 for bringing a lasting peace in Bodo-dominated areas in Assam. Understanding Bodo dispute, Bodos are the single largest tribal community in Assam, making up over five to six percent of the state's population. The Bodos have had a long history of separatist demands marked by armed struggle. The four districts in Assam, Kokrajhar, Baksa, Udalguri and Chirang that constitute the Bodo tribal area district are home to Bodos along with several other ethnic groups. The demand for a separate state for Bodos is rooted in reasons like administrative and development apathy of the state of Assam. and the feeling that identity culture and language of the bodo people were subsumed by the assamese and migrants in 1966-67 the demand for a separate state called bodo land was raised under the banner of the plains tribals council of assam a political outfit in 1987 all bodo students union renewed the demand and divide assam 50-50 was a call given by the all bodo students union then leader This unrest was a fallout of the Assam Accord of 1985 which addressed the demands of protection and safeguards for the Assamese people leading the bodos to launch a movement to protect their own identity however 
Following an agreement in 1993, the Bodoland became an autonomous administrative unit under the sixth schedule of the constitution administered by Bodoland Autonomous Council. Following a second peace agreement in 2003, the Bodoland Territorial Council was formed which has 46 members, 40 elected and 6 nominated by the governor and acts as a legislative council to look after the development works in Bodoland Territorial Area Districts. The third Bodo Accord 2020 renamed the BTC as the BTR with more administrative and fiscal powers. Now what were the highlights of the agreement? The village dominated by Bodos presently outside BTAD which is Bodo Tribal Autonomous BTAD is BT uh, Bodo Tribal Territorial Area Districts. would be included and those with non bodo population would be excluded then bodos were living in hills would be required scheduled hill tribe status then bodo and devnagari script would be associated with uh, will be uh, so would be associated as a official language for entire assam oh my god then btad would now be bodoland territorial region and it will have more executive administrative legislative and financial powers Over 1500 armed cadres were with will absorb violence and join mainstream a special development package of rupees 1500 crores over 3 years is provided major takeaway of the bodo peace accord for ensuring peace and harmony in the btad it is the first peace agreement in the northeast where all the existing insurgent groups in a particular area have put their signatures with a joint commitment to end violence Over 1600 cadres of different factions of the NDFP surrendered their arms and joined the mainstream within 2 days of signing of the agreement soothing the sentiments of the bodos the bodoland tribal area districts will now be known as bodoland territorial region the change in nuance from districts to region is significant as it acknowledges a bodo homeland within state of assam without separating the assam and also satisfying the identity and aspiration of the bodo people then it is balancing the aspirations of all a new accord has decided to demarcate the border of the bodoland territorial area this is expected to address the issues of both tribal currently outside the bodo council as well as non tribal currently living within the council for this purpose a commission appointed by the state government will examine and recommend if villages contiguous to the btad and with a majority tribal population can be included into the btr or a vice versa strengthening the btc accord has provided more legislative executive administrative financial powers to btc and amendment to the sixth schedule of the constitution protection of bodo culture and welfare measures the accord has provided for setting up of bodo kachari welfare council for development of bodo villages located outside the bodo council area and declaring bodo language in devnagari script as an associate official language of assam additionally setting up several institutions of higher and technical education have also been provided in the accord now concerns remain what are the concerns concerns of non bodos now critics have alleged that accord has ignored the interest of other ethnic communities in the area concerns of non bodo people especially bengali speaking muslims adivasis migrants inhabiting these districts who were attacked and killed in large number in all these years must be addressed then implementational issues 
big challenge before all the stakeholders including the government would be to make a sustainable make it sustainable by enforcing commitments given in the new peace accord possibility of a chain reaction the accord could trigger similar demands in the other parts of assam such as karbi anglong dima hasao kachar which also have homelands of non ahomic ethnicities Moreover it could also affect the ongoing Naga peace process leading Naga rebels to demand territorial and administrative autonomy in Naga homelands in Manipur which will further trigger political and ethnic tension between Nagas and the Meiti the largest ethnic group in Manipur Conclusion is that the demand for a separate state for the Bodos has been going on in Assam for about 5 decades leading to agitations protest violence and many deaths the third bodo peace accord promises to usher a new era for the people of the state if development and peace take the chartered course as intended by the accord next is pact to end bru refugee crisis a four party agreement among the center mizoram government tripura government and the leaders of bru community was signed to end the 23 year old bru riang refugee crisis Now the background of this is that the Bru community also referred to as Riang resides in Mizoram Tripura and parts of southern Assam and is ethnically distinct from the Mizos of the Mizoram there are over 40000 Brus living in district four districts of Mizoram at present over 30000 Brus are living in refugee camps in Tripura after they fled Mizoram following ethnic clashes with the Mizo tribes in 1997 the riangs in tripura are categorized as particularly vulnerable tribal group the first sign of conflict between the two communities emerged in 1995 when mizo organizations the young mizo association and the mizo student association demanded that bruce be left out of the mizoram's electoral polls as they were not an indigenous tribe the bruce retaliated by forming an armed organization bru national liberation front and a political body brew national union the two demanded more political autonomy for mizoram's brews and brew autonomous district council under the sixth schedule of the constitution in the western areas of mizoram where they were present in sizable numbers but where mizos formed the majority in 1997 following ethnic tension over an incident in mizoram around 5000 families comprising of 30000 brew tribes were forced to flee the state and seek shelter in tripura where they were housed in temporary camps in kanchanpur in north tripura some earlier peace attempts has also been made since 2010 the government of india has been making sustained efforts to permanently rehabilitate these internally displaced bru people the union government has been assisting the two state governments for taking care of the refugees till 2014 1622 bru riang families returned to mizoram in different batches on 3 july 2018 an agreement was signed between the union government the two state governments and representatives of bru riang refugees as a result of which the aid given to these families was increased substantially subsequently 328 families comprising of 1369 individuals returned to mizoram under the agreement There had been a sustained demand of brood young families that they may be allowed to settle down in Tripura considering their apprehensions about their security. Now key features of the present pact. 
around 34000 internally displaced brews will be settled in tripura and would be given aid from the center to help with their rehabilitation and all round development through a package of around 600 crores these people would get all the rights and normal residents of the states get and they would now be able to enjoy the benefits of social welfare schemes of the center and state government the brew refugees in tripura will be given aid for their rehabilitation and would be given the tribal status and included in the voter list of the state rupees 4 lakh will be given to each displaced brew family in a fixed deposit account each family will also be provided rupees 5000 per month for 2 years a residential plot in tripura and ration for 2 years the tripura government will provide the land as per their agreement challenges in implementation it is uh, doubtful whether the land that is allocated to brews in tripura will be accepted by the domiciled tribes in tripura till the pact the tripura government was eager to repatriate the brews to mizoram as the new pact settles the brews in tripura it needs a lot of political will from tripura to implement welfare programs for brews the existing brew families in mizoram still are opposed by some ethnic organizations of mizoram which might trigger another exodus if there is no settlement at the place of the conflict the pact is hailed as a settlement for the over two decade old ethnic disturbances between the tribes of the northeast and consistent approach towards the peaceful northeast india this also provides a model on how to deal with internally displaced person next topic is kuki naga militants sign pact recently for the first time the naga national political group nnpg and kuki Na- national organization have signed a joint declaration to work together as they used to separately negotiate political settlements with the union of india about nnpg and kno nnpgs is an umbrella body of seven naga militant outfits that have been holding talks with the center since 2017 The groups had announced in 2019 that it was ready to sign a deal with the government of India. NNPGs comprises National Socialist Council of Nagaland which is unification and uh, an NSCN which is reformation and NSCN Congo the National Naga Council and two of its factions and federal government of Nagaland. The KNO is one of the two umbrella bodies of 17 Kuki militant outfits. that is also currently holding peace talks with the government of india the demand of the group is a separate territorial council for kuki land in manipur then kuki tribes they are ethnic group that spread throughout the north eastern region of india north west burma and chittagong hill tracts in bangladesh in north east india they are present in all the states except arunachal pradesh important festivals chavangkun and chapcharkut then naga tribes There are various individuals or ethnic groups associated to the northeastern part of India and northwestern Myanmar. Nagaland and Manipur, Arunachal Pradesh and Assam in India. Prominent Naga tribes are Angami O, Chakhesang and Konyak. They are distinctly famous for their ritual practice of head hunting, once prevalent among tribal warriors in Nagaland. Then the Nagas men clothing is distinctive, conical head red conical red headgear. is decorated with wild boar canine teeth and white black hornbill feathers important festivals are sakraniye motsu and motsu mong hornbill festival now understanding the kuki naga conflict manipur consists of diversity of various ethnic groups and thus have witnessed many conflicts 
the most important being kuki and naga conflict the kuki naga conflict which was mainly fought on land and identity issues now what were these identity issues in the last few decades the name naga and kuki have become the core subject of ethnic realignment and regrouping for example various tribes such as anal chiru etc who were once designated as old kuki have now assimilated with the naga tribes similarly among the kuki there were been movements to distinguish the old from the new migrants like thado who was attempting to establish their cultural dominance in the region now land issue what is the land issue between them though hostility between nagas and kukis dates back to the colonial times in 1990s conflict between these two broke out in the border town of more leading to retaliation and counter retaliation in the southern parts of manipur this conflict was primarily over land large swathes land which the kuki claimed to be their homeland in the manipur hills overlapped with greater nagaland or nagalim envisioned by the naga outfits as a sovereign naga homeland the proposed map of nagalim consists of nagaland and all continuous naga inhabited areas of assam manipur arunachal pradesh and across the international border myanmar now kukis consequently felt the need to organize themselves to protect their interests more forcefully on two parallel fronts which is from nagas and from the reciprocal distrust or dislike for the majority meethi community of manipur similarly the conflict compelled the nagas to form the naga lim guard nlg for self defense against aggressive kukis on the other hand now the next topic is indian cyber crime coordination center what is this indian cyber crime coordination center recently the union ministry of home affairs inaugurated indian cyber crime coordination center and launched national cyber crime reporting portal the scheme to set up indian cyber crime coordination center was approved in october 2018 for two years to deal with all types of cyber crime in a comprehensive and coordinated manner it is in line with the national cyber security policy which aims at facilitating the creation of secure computing environment and enabling adequate trust and confidence in electronic transactions and also guiding stakeholders actions for the protection of cyberspace the center is located in new delhi national cyber crime record, record uh, reporting portal is one of the components of the scheme other components are national cyber crime threat analytics unit joint cyber crime investigation team then forensic laboratory ecosystem then cyber crime tra- training center and ecosystem management unit national cyber research and innovation center ncrp is a citizen centric initiative that will enable citizens to report cyber crimes online through the portal with specific focus on crime against women children particularly child pornography child sex abuse material online content pertaining to rapes and gang rapes and financial crime all the cyber crime related complaints will be assessed by the concerned law enforcement agencies in the states and union territories for taking action as per law regional cyber crime coordination center will be set up at a state union territory level and currently 15 states and union territories have given their consent to set it up now what is cyber crime the cyber crime is a broad term that is used to define criminal activity in which computers or computer network 
are a tool, a target or a place of criminal activity and include everything from electronic cracking of to denial of service attacks. It also covers the traditional crimes in which computers or networks are used to enable the illicit activity. The cyber law of India is not a separate legal framework. It's a combination of contract, intellectual property, data protection and privacy laws. The Information Technology Act of 2000 addresses the gamut of new age crimes. Computer technology, mobile devices, software and internet are both medium and target of such crimes. All traditional criminal activities are as such as theft, fraud, forgery, defamation, mischief are part of cyberspace. These were witnessed addressed in the Indian Penal Code already. Police and public order are state subject as per the constitution of India. Thus, states, union, territories are primarily responsible for prevention, detection, investigation and prosecution of crimes through their law enforcement machinery. That was it about the January issue of Vision IS security part. We'll come up with the February in the upcoming part. So now we are going to start the February issue of uh, security portion of Vision IS magazine. Our first topic is Integrated Air Defense Weapon System. It was in news recently because now US has approved the sale of Integrated Air Defense Weapon System to India at an estimated cost of $1.9 billion. Now what is this Integrated Air Defense Weapon System? The Integrated Air Defense Weapon System is called as the National Advanced Surface to Air Missile System NASAMS, NASAMS 2. <clears throat> it is an upgraded version of the NASAMS developed by the US firm Raytheon. It will be a combination of different weapons like Stinger missiles, gun systems and advanced medium-range air-to-air missiles, which is AMRAMS, backed by 3D Sentinel radars, fire distribution centers and command and control units. Significance of the deal Modernize India's Armed Forces It helps to modernize India's armed forces and to expand its existing air defense architecture to counter threats posed by air attack. Multi-layered missile shield over the national capital territory of Delhi, it will be used along with indigenous Russian and Israeli systems to erect an ambitious multi-layered missile shield over the national capital territory of Delhi against aerial events. So it, what is the significance? It will modernize India's armed forces number one. Then it will uh, provide a multi-layer shield over the NCT number two. Then it will strengthen the US-India strategic relationship. It helps to improve the security of a major defensive partner which continues to be an important force for political stability, peace and economic progress in the Indo-Pacific and South Asian region. Then after that, what are the last significance is regional balance. The proposed sale comes amid massive military modernization by China which is also flexing its military muscles in the strategic Indo-Pacific region. Now, this proposed multi-layer uh, missile <coughs> shield for NCT of Delhi, what are its features? So, outermost BMD layer, basically it will do 
a two-tier indigenous system of uh, advanced air defense and prithvi air defense interceptor missile so it is a combination in the outside layer of bmd so basically it has how many layers five layers it has which is outermost bmd layer s 400 layer akash layer and nasam's layer and barak eight layers so different different layers are there for different different interceptor missiles we'll talk about all these layers the outermost bmd layer is a two tier indigenous system of as advanced air defense ard and pad which is prithvi air defense interceptor missiles designed to track and destroy ballistic missiles both inside endo and outside exo at altitudes from 15 to 25 km to 80 to 100 km <coughs> then phase 1 interceptor missiles with 4.5 match speed meant for 2000 km range enemy missile system almost ready then phase 2 interceptor missiles with 6 to 7 match speed will be for 5000 km class missiles then uh, the second is 4 s 400 layer now what is this s 400 layer russian trump surface to air missile systems then uh, russia uh, this missiles with interception ranges of 120 200 250 and 300 380 km Forty thousand deal, forty uh, thousand crore rupees deal was inked in October two thousand and eighteen. The deliveries to five squadrons from October twenty twenty to April twenty three. Now there is another missile which is Akash Lear, Indigenous Air Defence Area Defence Missile System range, which is of twenty five kilometer. Then Indian Air Force inducting fifteen squadrons of Akash one and two systems for rupees. Ten thousand crore. Then army has inducted two regiments for fourteen thousand crore. Two Akash, two regiments on the way. Then Nasams. It is a quick reaction network system of Stingers gun systems and Amram missiles. Amram is what is Amram? Advanced medium range air to air missiles. and it is uh, geared to track and destroy small incoming targets shoot around buildings then uh, next is barak 8 layer the barak 8 layers is medium and long range sam systems jointly developed by israeli aerospace industries and drdo interception range of 70 to 100 km Systems being delivered to Navy, IAF, and Army. Systems being delivered to Navy, IAF, and Army. Now the next topic is Anglo-Indo-Bangladesh border. It was in news recently because the data provided by the government detected infiltration through the India-Bangladesh border has dropped by sixty percent since two thousand fifteen and deportation of illegal Bangladeshi. has dropped by 63% India shares the longest land border with Bangladesh stretching over 4000 km this boundary falls in five indian states which is west bengal assam meghalaya mizoram and tripura
It runs through a diverse topography including dense forest hills, rivers, populous towns and paddy fields. The border between India and Bangladesh highly crucial to their bilateral relationship has always been difficult to manage given for one its sheer strength then issues related to indo bangladesh border obviously we know what are the issues illegal migration criminal activities across border movement of insurgents across the border to safe havens in bangladesh then demarcating territorial waters and uh, cross border water disputes now this illegal migration is uh, since 1971 war of india independence illegal Im immigrants have been pouring into india due to political upheaval recent estimates suggest around 24 million illegal bangladeshi immigrants in india the rohingya crisis religious persecution has also added to it Rs 40000 rohingya refugees were estimated in india in 2017 illegal immigrants act as a security risk to the regime a cultural threat to the existing crimes and a social economic threat to the host society criminal activities across the border transnational crime networks smuggle narcotics arms gold and counterfeit indian currency and are also involved in tracking of humans cattle and goods easy availability of weapons and ammunition due to tracking trafficking makes the situation more volatile border killings particularly of bangladeshi nationals by bsf have uh, been a long standing irritant the movement of insurgents across the border or to safe havens in bangladesh mostly from northeastern outposts in india like uh, united liberation front of assam national democratic front of bodoland and dina halem daigar then the united liberation front of barak valley from these organizations the insurgents move out to the bangladesh for safety then demarcating territorial waters it has led to the serious differences between the two countries establishing ownership of the newly created territories for example the 1980s controversy surrounding sovereignty over the new moor island in south talpati bangladesh then uh, cross border water disputes such as starting sharing of uh, tista river construction of dam by the india on barak river have uh, plagued the border management and bilateral relations then what are the problems with the border management inadequate border fencing due to issues such as riverine areas protest by residing population and jungle areas where patrolling is difficult then porous water border shared ancestry linguistic and ethnic ties and social and familial linkages make the border porous and difficult to manage it allows free movement of nationals including criminals of both the countries then ethnic conflict and separatist movements the situation has worsened due to change in the demographic profile demographic profile of many border states and shift in ethnic balance of communities as a result of illegal migration overpopulation in the border areas density of population in the border areas at some places is approximately 700 to 800 person per square kilometer on the indian state and about 1000 person on the bangladesh side 
Such an overpopulated area with a porous border poses for problems in detection and apprehension of the criminals who have option of crossing over to the other side to evade arrest. Then cross-border cooperation among the militant groups of Myanmar, Northeast India and Bangladesh along with establishment of their training camps, Madarsas in Bangladesh. Then political instability and disorder. In its periphery impacts India's security directly or indirectly, proxy war between India and Pakistan adds to this security risk. So what are the problems of border management? Border management, inadequate border fencing, porous border, ethnic conflicts and separatist movements, then overpopulation in the border areas, then cross-border cooperation among militant groups, and political instability and disorder. Now, what are the steps taken so far? India-Bangladesh Land Boundary Agreement 2015. It facilitated exchange of enclaves and simplified the border. India received 51 Bangladeshi enclaves but lost 40 square kilometer in the process as Bangladesh received 111 Indian enclaves. Then improved border surveillance like comprehensive integrated border management service also known as smart fencing has been completed in some parts of the border. It integrates manpower with sensors, networks, intelligence and command and control solutions such as thermal imager, aerostat, radars, sonar system. Project Bold QIT which is Border Electronically Dominated QRT Interception Technique has been implemented along riverine border in Dugri, Assam where it was not feasible to construct border fencing. Coordination with border states Central government has announced setting up of border protection grid BPG with Indo-Bangladesh border states. It will be supervised by a state level standing committee which will be chaired by respective state secretaries. It will comprise various elements such as physical barriers, non-physical barriers, surveillance system, intelligence systems, state police, BSF and other state and central agencies. Now crime free stretch. It has been established between BSF border post at Gunarmat and Kalyani and the BGB which is border guard Bangladesh post at Utkali, West Bengal and Dalatpur, Bangladesh. Improved border management. So far 20 border checkpoints have been developed as integrated checkpost. An integrated checkpost is intended to be one step solution that houses all regulatory agencies such as immigration, customs and border security. Confidence building measures. The government to government initiatives to promote local participation such as border hearts have shifted focus to mutual economic gains and building a coalition for peace and cooperation. Then raising awareness. BSF and BGV which is border guard what is BGV? Border Protection Grid, BPG. Have been working among locals to improve awareness and ensure crime prevention in border areas. Now, conclusion. Recently, uh, the trends shows that steps are taken so far are bearing fruit. Thus, they need to be continued and intensified. Both the countries have multicultural and plural societies and promote democracy and inclusive growth, which would empower marginal groups to become stakeholders. That was it about the February issue of the security part of Visionize magazine.